Welcome to the house. Welcome, man. <laughs> it's uh, good to finally see this in real life. Yeah. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 26 of From the Van. It's a podcast from my van. Guys, today's episode is going to be awesome. I'm super excited about it. I apologize if you're here for a long and involved hashtag van life conversation that's going to help you on your journey to moving into a vehicle. That is not at all what today's episode is going to be because today's episode features Destroy. He's an MC from The Arsonists, uh, which put out one of my favorite hip-hop albums of all time way back in 1999. I've been a fan of this guy for <laughs> at least 20 years. Um, and I tried to I tried to get in touch with him, got in touch with him a couple of years ago on Instagram, trying to get him to come and like do like cameo appearance, play one of my improv shows in LA. That, that uh, although he was very receptive, that just sort of never logistically ended up working out. But we were in New York and he agreed to come and be on the podcast and I am not going to balk at that opportunity. Um, one of the reasons that I'm so fascinated by this dude, he's, he's super whimsical, he's got a very unique style. Uh, he's, a, he's a great rapper in the, in the traditional sense, but he also brings like a whimsy and levity and, and, and sort of charisma to the thing that a bunch of other people don't really mess with. And um, also what's super fascinating is that he's been able to port these performance skills that he's cultivated over the years into a very diverse career. He's, uh, he's commentating and announcing um, for the NBA and a bunch of other sports events, uh, breakdancing and b-boy events, um, and also hosting a radio show. It was a really wonderful conversation. I'm super happy that he came out and did it. I hope that you enjoy episode 26 of From the Van featuring Destroy. So this is normally a podcast where we talk to people who either live in or have campers or something like that. Okay. Um, your story is super interesting to me uh -huh. because you've sort of ported, uh, well first of all, I'll tell you a little story about me. I grew up in uh, a very racist part of the South, okay. uh, super homogenous, and one of the ways that I sort of rebelled was by listening to music that was not from my culture. Uh huh. You know okay. what I mean? And. Uh, it was so crazy because before the internet and all of that, I was born in 80, I think you're a couple years older yeah, than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before the internet, you had to like read about shit because nobody had the music. Had and dare. when you got something special, like you bought a bunch of crap and you were like, oh, I guess I'll listen to this because I yeah. bought it or whatever. And every once in a while you would land on something. And As the World Burns was one of those for me. It was like, awesome. holy shit, man. Yeah. yeah, that was probably, I've listened to Diggable Planet's first record, but only that more. Yeah, in, yeah at least yeah. in the hip hop world. Awesome. So yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to meet you. Um, you and I have also both studied at UCB. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> Did you like it? So um, I went to Los Angeles, and this comedian that I knew was like, "Man, you got to get in something." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "I always get people who tell me I have to get in something, but they never." are those people who connect who can put you in it yeah exactly so you know I, that's that's everybody's uh plight and she was like well i i can send an email um to um amy poehler because she has this ucb thing right sure and um around this time i was going to ucb and and comedy spots already like i was i already had it in my system and then uh, I got an email from from some guy who asked me like five questions, and I just answered them like as crazy as possible, like not even serious. Um, and uh, you know, sh they ended up. I did the the All Star Game in New York, and then on like the last day, on like a Monday or Sunday, I went from from the like the fan event that I was doing right. to the offices of UCB. And it was in the evening, nobody was there. I really didn't have a sense of what to expect uh, with it, but it was just me sitting with one person who uh, gave me a scholarship okay. to be right, in, sure. yeah, to be in UCB. So I did that for, for um, a, a couple of years, and I kind of felt that it was a, a, a community that was cool but they were so, uh, me being from New York and uh -huh. having this kind of like, I'm from New York, uh -huh. you guys moved to New yeah. York. Um, and I knew I was more, I knew I was more dangerous to them 
Uh, and I think my comedy was more looked at like, let's see what Destroy wrote today, right. you know, because I was writing stuff about, like here, you know, that I knew about, like, uh, you know, handball or, or like just street stuff that I knew that didn't exist in other mm -hmm. cities um, culturally. And they and they liked it. And uh, I just I, I did this once. I did this one about uh, a hype man, like a Flavor Flav, yeah, yeah, who is on a work release program in like uh, Rexburg, Idaho, and he's now got a hype a, a, ch <laughs> a, a chess team. Okay. You know what I mean? And um, he's like, yo, you know, and he's doing all this slang, and you got all these kids who don't understand What's this energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was, and and I and and they loved it, but I had to explain to like the black dude from Brooklyn what a hype man was so it was just weird to me yeah. on how like people wanted to be a part of this culture of New York but mm -hmm. they didn't understand or and and it just felt like a re I had to re I had to help teach people aside from comedy as to why it works yeah you know? so it was a it it, w it was it was awesome. I I loved the experience, but I I didn't feel I wanted to. I, yeah. I tried. I stood there for a lot of months and, and a lot of years. And I woke up and I did all different types of uh, classes from sketch to the improv and you know it. I just felt that I just never felt like I really clicked in with it. It's anymore. a very I feel like it's a very specific community. Yeah. And I I. What, you did it here? No, in LA. In LA, okay. In LA, because uh, I moved out to, um, I moved out to Southern California in 2003. Uh huh. And so I started studying there in 2012 or something. I moved up to LA to do improv for a little while, and I had a really good time. But I also sort of felt like I kind of bounced off of the, the, the exact correct part of the community too, in a, in a different way. Okay. When I was writing sketches, everything was very. Um, activism oriented yeah and I feel like there's a there's a very there's a, uh, similarity between comedy and activism um, in that you know comedy finds something that's a little bit peculiar but everybody can relate to and pokes at it and laughs at it if it's real it's funnier right yeah and then but activism points at something that everybody can relate to that ain't right and tries to change it right right and the I, f I felt like I was just right on the edge of doing it correctly, but I couldn't quite get it right because it was either activist or funny, but it wasn't both at the same time. Okay. Um, so yeah, I I can relate to that. Um, let's go. Let's go way back. Okay. What uh, you grew up in Brooklyn? Right? I grew up in Bushwick. In Bushwick. Yeah, Bushwick okay. is like a hot spot now to say you're from. <laughs> I and definitely I, want to talk about gentrification in a few minutes yeah, yeah, too, because yeah. we've and already was, sort of gotten there. And it was it was wild when I started at UCB, and I will go to the stand-up nights, and then comedians would say, "I'm from Bushwick." Yeah. And then I'd I'd like I'd purposely sit in the front row. And I'd laugh at them, but like a very obnoxious laugh. Like, yeah, sure, you're from Bushwick. Mm -hmm. And, that, and that, then I felt it was like a pattern. Yeah. And then uh, Louis C.K. Uh, did this piece about how everybody's saying they're from Bushwick. Yeah. You know, and as a, as a kid, as an MC who battled and stuff, your goal was to kind of get your neighborhood on the map. Mm -hmm. You know, and then... It got on the map a whole other way, mm -hmm. and I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know. So just the 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 energy of that I grew up in is very different from the Bushwick that it is now. Do you think that because um, I I don't know, but I knew I had heard about Bushwick mm -hmm. a whole bunch mm -hmm. just because of hip hop music mm -hmm. before Bushwick became what it is today that you're talking about, yep. right? And I wonder if the allure of that culture had a lot to do with influencing, drawing people in. It actually didn't, uh, because they were two different cultures. Okay. So, what it was was Manhattan was the island you wanted to live on right. if you came, to, but it, then you realized it was too expensive, mm -hmm. and then you would go to Greenpoint, and then Greenpoint's uh, real estate started go going up, and then everybody was like, wait. See, Bushwick, there's a section of Bushwick that has factories, you know, 
and uh, all those that industry started phasing out. Right. So what to do with the buildings? Turn them into sexy lofts. There you go. So they they ended up doing that, and um, it was cheaper rent wise. So you'd be like, uh, let's say I have the dream because I seen Spider Man or Sex in the City. <laughs> I want to live in New York. Right. Right. So then you go and you find an apartment, um, and. Uh, so my parents had to move out of the house that they that I was raised in um, a couple of years ago. Their rent when they moved out because they were there since 1973 was $750. Um, they paid them to move, so they now live in Massachusetts. But the thing is, is that that same apartment that I was raised in uh, now gets $8,200 for shit. rent. The same a month, correct. 100 percent so the thing is is that um when they redesigned everything i went back and i was like you know can i see your apartment you yeah. know and and it was a a, a a nice lady uh who was who was married and she shared the apartment with 11 other adults so what's what happens is because you can't pay eight uh, 8200 right so you're gonna f go on Craigslist and because you're the one who signed the lease right. you're gonna try to find, find other a people to other help people. you know uh, with that rent and um but it's not 11 adult size place either really no 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 it's it's silly it's yeah. you know it's 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 silly it's stuff that society at one time made fun of but mm -hmm. now this is what New York yep. has become yep. we're tuna fish like everybody right. in sardine situations living in there their cubes and they're going out and they just say they live in New York you know and the th the bad thing is they don't look up at the community meaning mm -hmm. like if they're walking home they don't look at I've I've had this experience but they don't look at the other people who live there sure you know and I'm sure that a lot of them if they're coming from out of New York and they came here for the for simple energy of either art or something like mm -hmm. that I'm sure that they could come out and they could be uh, beneficial to the community like they right. could talk to kids like mm -hmm. me I was helped by a girl who was would be considered a hipster in the 80s sure. you know and uh, she was uh, from Texas and you know she loved the Batman soundtrack you know uh -huh. with Prince and she'd play this and then she'll do like a Halloween thing where we'd all have to make a doll and the best one she she gave five dollars to as a prize but she was an artist mm -hmm. So that energy kind of like I benefited from someone like that. And I know there's a whole huge community in Bushwick, in any of these places where um, there's an influx of different cultures are coming in that everybody could benefit from. Right, right. So um, what I started feeling was that they started doing their roof parties where only if you live there or knew someone could go in there. And it became too, it became exclusive where the culture I came from was block parties. Right. Where everybody, the community, uh -huh. everybody barbecues for people they probably argued with last month. Right. You know what I mean? But we're a community. Yeah, yeah. And then you help that kid who, who fell down or, you know, that's just how it was. And um, New York is, we're a, we're a fast food city now. Yeah. It's become yeah. that, yeah. It's, I mean, I guess uh, the, the question I always ask whenever I talk about it, because we have a huge gentrification prob problem in the very wealthy uh southern california town where i usually stay okay um and it's a different thing right it's like it's like people are coming there just <laughs> because it's right on the water yes and so it's super attractive the weather's perfect all the time and so it's a really attractive place to live and it's the same sort of deal you've got people who have been there for generations or whatever getting priced out they can't afford to where to live where they grew up and um you know i feel like especially in a place like new york pretty much any metropolitan area the reason that you have outsiders coming in is specifically to get this confluence of different cultures mm -hmm. that sort of creates this this magic um yeah uh hip-hop was created here uh we we know house music freestyle music salsa music uh the punk scene everything was because of this influx of right. cultures coming together and, uh, and rub it up against each other. Yeah, and, participating and, and coexisting. Other. And yeah. say, hey, you ever heard of this? I'm open to it. Yeah, I always hear it down the block from where I live. So that's how the the time was, you know, in in the 80s and the 70s. When you seen, of course, there wasn't great things. Um, I definitely believe drugs kind of really was a hindrance to not just New York, just all the all the cities out here. But um, I just. 
I just want and hope there's a direction for people to be more unified. Right. So that would be helpful because I benefited from it. I guess sort of what I'm hearing is that like um, maybe at this point, a bunch of people who are coming in from outside are sort of instead of participating in the public sphere, whether it's the street or the park or whatever, they're going behind closed doors and not participating with the person they live next to. They're creating their own safe havens. Right. You know, where it becomes just a circle of people who are not from here. Uh And then you just don't get the foundation of where you're living at. Because a lot of people want to call this place their home. Yeah. You know, and what I'm noticing is like, it comes to a point where you're like, you're six months in. Fuck, you didn't land the job or whatever your situation is. And your your parents can't help you out anymore with any rent or whatever that was was happening. And now you got to move out. So then it makes way for the next person to come in. Right. You know, and in the, and throughout that whole process, can you say you really got into the, the, you know, put your hands into the culture of the city that you were in? You just met other people like you, which is fine. But, um, I don't know. This, 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 a, this was a, this, this, I know the special parts of this, the rough around the edges parts of it that I like. Uh, it could turn a lot of people off. And I think I've benefited from learning how to um, appreciate all cultures the way I want my culture to be appreciated. So that's why I've been able to move on to do other things other outside stuff. of like, you know, your stereotypical hood stuff. Um, so, music. yeah, tell me about tell me about growing up in in Bushwick and, and sort of why did you get into hip hop? So I got I got into hip hop because uh, you know I always I always loved it. My brother had uh, vinyl. My sister's boyfriend, who's now her husband, is uh, was a DJ, and I just had all these records for years. And then this drug dealer, um, what he used to do was he used to give me quarters to play off road. It was like a a trucky uh, arcade game, uh-huh. um, and I would play and. I just stay playing and they'll just put money in my pocket and then I, w- I couldn't touch that money unless it was the quarters and then they'll take drugs out of the other pocket. Uh-huh. So all I was just doing was playing games yeah, yeah. like 13 years old. Uh-huh. And then um, my father was a police officer and okay. my and my brother was uh, a very bad version of me. You know okay. what I mean? A criminal record. He, he More advanced. <laughs> yeah, process. yeah. He took advantage of the greatness. He had great relationships with police officers that never turned out right. Okay. And um, so he fought one of the like the big drug dealers, but it was more of a principle than like you know just petty shit. Uh-huh. It's like how are you gonna make my little brother? I'm doing this shit. Uh-huh. Don't get my little brother into Involved. this shit. So it turns out that de- that that uh, drug dealer also was a part-time DJ uh-huh. so he would get gigs and he was like yo man I want you to DJ for for this event that I can't be at it's like the greatest thing in my life mm-hmm. so um, I ended up DJing that then I ended up DJing at my prom and then I DJed for my teachers uh, Christmas event and that was it I was just collecting vinyl throughout all this time I started freestyle battling in mm-hmm. the street um, against older 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 men and uh, I would lose, and then I learned that if I wrote, it would be better for me. So one of my friends, he was like, I want to battle you. At, at 8 o'clock, we're going to meet right here, and then we're going to battle. So I wrote everything. You memorized some stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, I, like 3 p.m. is when he said he wanted to call, he called the battle, and then I had five hours. So I just wrote a bunch of rhymes all in a Lord Finesse uh, style who uh-huh. was like my dad lyrically and, and pattern wise. And uh, I just went outside and uh, I said my rhyme, he never rapped. He was like, fuck this, I'm he going was like, home. Holy shit, you know <laughs> what I mean? And uh, I, I seen that and then from there I wrote a rap about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer being like a special needs type dude, you know what I mean? And uh, it was, totally like inappropriate but you're i was 14 yeah you know what i mean and then they that same kid who encouraged me to battle him and i actually wrote he pushed me on stage because there was a talent show in a church okay i ended up winning a a skiing trip for me and like five other hood rat kids yeah we never skied you know what i mean 
And um, that right there was like, you know, this writing this silly rap got me and my friends to go skiing. Yeah. You know, and we did that and and that was it. And then I walked into a record store, I run into this guy named Tony Touch, who's a prominent DJ sure. at, at you know, he was back then he was just trying to get his name out, you know. And then we just develop a great chemistry and you know, all the I needed those challenges and also those people to kinda like help me see a way and sometimes you learn from those who aren't telling you what to do but you're just watching and mm -hmm. you know and that's that's how it was so um how i got into hip-hop was my community my community you, uh, um one of my favorite things about your about your sort of presence on a record is that you're just like um there are a bunch of punch punch lines and there's a bunch of battle rap sort of stuff going on mm -hmm. but then there's this huge amount of like levity right um, you're wacky a lot mm -hmm. of times on the mic. Is that is that sort of and I mean I know <coughs> now after following you for years on yeah. Instagram that that's sort of your personality, right? Yeah, like, it's definitely my personality. Is that a conscious decision that you made? Yeah, because you know I came up. Uh, Paul Rubens was like one of my faves, sure. and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I Andrew Dice Clay was like one of the first that I was introduced to as 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 a stand up uh, guy. I used to watch his tapes, and I just I just fell in love with if you looked at Andrew Dice Clay he was like a wise guy but he said so much silly shit little Miss Muffet and you were like whoa you know so he's flipping he's like making it absurd with what, right. how we came up and then I was like you know what the funniest oh very I, I, a lot, I came across a lot of funny people in my life and they were all from the streets so right. my mother uh, she's like one of the first hood rats I ever met. She's funny as shit, uh -huh. you know? And um, she would do outlandish shit. Like mm -hmm. she'd walk around with a dildo and like slap her <laughs> friends in the face with it. And um, <laughs> and uh, it was just, it was so mind blowing. And sometimes in this life, you had to find what was funny about things right. rather than, oh, that's fucking psychologically uh -huh. crazy. And it is, you know, I had, I seen a lot of wild shit, but I had to digest it in a comedic sense. So when I got into hip hop, it was peace, uh, love, having fun, and just uh, on those um, aesthetics was how I ended up developing and my love for hip hop, which I seen parties took place, people were smiling, people were having fun, people were, were, were laughing, um, and that's how I came up in my household. Yeah. So. I had no attraction to being um, a hard dude, a thug dude. And then as I grew up, I was like, man, people are so insecure that me just being myself, sometimes threatening to people's um, psyche where they're like, nah, I'm a fucking man. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a guy, you yeah, know, you yeah. don't talk about no gay shit around me. Uh -huh. And I'd be like, yo, bro, chill out. You know what I mean? Like, so. It was very, it was very, um, I think I, be, I became, I started using my comedy or my comedic sense in a rebellious form where I was like, fuck these, uh, you know, these thugs because I know they laugh. Uh -huh. You can't tell me yeah, thugs yeah, don't yeah. laugh. Right. So that's, so I just put my, put my hands into the, the comedic sensibilities of stuff. So when I wrote, I just wanted to have a good time. But you were still obeying the form, right? Oh, you were doing I, what I, I had to. You were, yeah, exactly. You yeah. were doing what you needed to do to be a rapper, but at the same mm -hmm. time, kind of punching it in the gut at the same right. time, right? So people make references about the streets. Right. I would make references about, you know, about the Simpsons. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. Uh, or something like that. Because, you know, I got stitches for battling. You know, mm -hmm. I, 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 I. I was in the streets. I was doing bad things, but I, it was only because that's where I was raised. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's how you did because all your friends did it. So, hey, you know, what yeah, else yeah. am I going to do? But when it became to, to rhymes, I knew I can, I can exercise a little bit. And Arsonist was a, was, was a great creation because it was a circle of guys who were loose. You know what I mean? Um, 
not so uh they didn't have to be that right they let you put dude. that destroyed words yeah thing on the record, and, right? it, and it was well you know to let you know like it was it did start in my house and my oh, okay. house was a mess so when you came into my house he was like, yo, you can't change the guy. <laughs> Look at his mother and father, yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And his brother and his sister, everybody's a mess. So it was created under that way. Okay. So when you came in, it was like, that's him. He's okay. So either we're going to roll with it or beat thugs or whatever it is. And, you know, there was a time when it was a bunch of guys. Yeah. We were initially the Bushwick Bomb Squad. It was a bunch of, you know, dudes and... And we'd have like a reputation in the street. And then I was like, listen, if you don't break, if you don't do graffiti, if you don't DJ, if you don't MC, you have no reason being here anymore. Mm -hmm. Because and then it, it started bringing negative energy where people started saying they were down with us, that mm -hmm. weren't down with us. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't want you to do something bad. And then somebody's going to say, oh, that has to do with you this. You guys are guilty. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, I did it all of that renamed it arsonist and uh we just went forward with this aesthetic of you know what they how hip-hop started right. you know cold crush and the principles and all that stuff and so in that i was able to be a free version of myself like there was this b-boy named frosty freeze from rocksteady crew this dude he would dance but he was a maniac like he'll flip he'll fucking land on his neck it was crazy, but I loved it because he was a free spirit. Right. And he, he didn't have to, you know. Just doing his thing. He was just doing his thing. And that's what you, that freedom is attractive. So yeah. so that's what I felt I needed to. to Foster. Yeah, uh, especially on those, uh, on those projects at the time. Yeah. So I also want, I wanted to talk to you about, because I know that uh, recently um, you were sort of representing inclusive inclusion you're doing that pretty regularly but especially around around pride time on your stories and stuff and it's always been interesting to me because like i i feel like there's this really important music that's like this window into this culture that i didn't grow up with and i didn't understand mm -hmm. which is why i was so in, in, into hip-hop growing up okay and I, I would always try to get my dad to listen to this stuff but there was there was just enough whether it was misogyny or violence or homophobia mm -hmm. or whatever in the music that he he couldn't continue listening you know it it was it was too different it was too outside yeah, yeah, yeah. and i feel like i am not any authority on hip-hop by any means but i guess what i'm asking what i want to ask you is like what's good for hip-hop because you know i feel like it's really important you go know, back to melly mel or whatever and like telling the story of the gnarly shit that's going on in any community mm -hmm. is super important yes. to draw attention to it and start to address it but then there's, you know, we started it. I've been watching that uh, the hip hop evolution thing a little yep. bit too. We start to creep into this moment where it's be beginning to be glorified, and I feel like we've ridden that wave a, a few times since hip hop yep, started, yep, right? Yep. So what's, what do you think? Where are we headed, and where should we be headed? Um, so the tricky thing is, a great friend of mine is Static Selector, who has produced a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of good music. Um, in these last couple of years that became the soundtracks of a lot of people's lives. And um, I realized, and a lot of people tell me, like, Yo, how do you not do new music when you're rolling with this guy who, like, makes an album every week, right. you know? And um, in my way, as we were speaking earlier, like, I realized that my wild personality wasn't really what he was it isn't really what he is used to right on music friends one-on-one -on -one, he loves it. Mm -hmm. you know we we laugh even he's he's crazy but when it comes to music he likes everything to be a certain way you know whatever the, the mob deep kind of hard new york stuff you know and that's cool um but where 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 do we lie now we need to have those Melly Mel's and all those people to be uh, a little bit more embracing of what the young heads are doing. And I'm not saying Melly Mel uh, isn't. That's right, just sure, the, sure. The, the name that you put out there. But um, I think we need to be like, hey, at one time our parents didn't like what we were doing, mm -hmm. you know, and now are we the parents who are not liking what the next generation is, is, is doing? 
And um, always kids these days. Yeah, that, yeah. It's been it's, that way forever. Right. So it's like the Democrats don't want to be on Fox because they feel Fox is a Trump machine. But if the Democrats don't go on Fox, then people won't hear that message. That crowd, that audience is never going to hear them. Right. Yeah. So, so now I just feel like the way a hip hop evolution exists, now a kid can sneak some knowledge into his mm-hmm. system. And I was really happy that they, they, in in a recent episode, they 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 put a, a, a image of me battling. I saw that. Um, I haven't caught up yet, but I saw yeah, that. I was I, I was happy because we were, and I'm not just talking about me or the arsonist. There was a scene that was happening in hip hop culture from east to west that wasn't like about record deals, um, but we were busting ass. Mm-hmm. Like we were out there battling. Mm-hmm. We were like you know going at this guy or this. Oh yo, he's here. I'm gonna battle him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how we were, and just, just um, to to know that that was uh, kind of put into a, a piece on the hip hop evolution was really dope because I was so hungry at that moment. Right. You know, and and it gets a little bit of that energy across. But as far as moving towards the future, the the, the older generation needs to just you know be a little bit more. Uh, I got like a lot of the older guys right now still think it's 1990, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm talking about prominent people. Yeah. Still think it's 1990 and people should be like it's 1990. Then you have some guys who are co-signing something, um, whether whether they like it or not, only because they feel it's a way to keep them relevant. So it's more of a selfish thing rather than a whole like why are you in this are you really talking to these kids like are you really having a time of day with these guys then if you are that's great but if you're doing it because you know they're going to take you to the jordan party where you get a pair of kicks or something like that or get you followers because they'll post you you know maybe there's a you're going in it for the wrong reasons you know so you can't you can't I think I think the older the older heads needs and I, there's people who are really cool or they're evolving. I'm lucky that I'm able to to dip and dab into other sure. things, so I have no commitment to anyone, and I don't need to be biased. And I see a lot of biasness mm-hmm. going on, and um, I call it out. And then just sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, there goes D saying the truth again. Yeah, you know. Well, it's wonderful that you've carved out a place where you can still do that and not just stay in in some corner with with a specific group of people or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about like uh, you put out a record four years ago. Is which, that about which right? One? The most the most recent one. God, I can't remember what it's called. I was listening to it earlier. What's so? Uh, uh, oh, you put one out with Tony Touch since then. Right. I'm talking about the one before that. So I um. Are so you still making music? I, this is like a, a war with like the seven <laughs> people who live in my head. Shit! Just today, I wrote a I, I wrote like a line that I thought of yesterday when I was running, and um, you know, I always say I'm not, but my heart always is, and I always and I do have a lot of songs, and I just had a meeting with a with a record label dude, um, so it's like I have this part of me that 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 thinks, and I'm actually gonna do a couple of dates on tour okay um but you know i'm i'm i still have that energy to do that sort of stuff as far as music music goes and um the not sure specifically what you're talking about but that arsonist we did do like a reissue of that as the world burns project which had a couple of newer songs and then uh then i did a vinyl with like records that I did with Tony Touch in 1994 which were like our demos and then Tony Touch was like we got to do a song for my last foot for his you know most recent album uh-huh. and um, I was always like yeah you know and then he said DJ Premier's gonna produce it mm-hmm. then I was like okay now I we're guess I have to now now <laughs> we're talking and then it was a day that I was up for this big tour with the NBA and uh, I ended up not getting the tour with the NBA and I was really, really depressed about it. Yeah. And I was sitting down, kind of soaking, and then Tony calls me 
and he's like, hey, um, we got studio time today with Premiere, but instead of you being on the song, I wanted it to have Rod Digger on it, you know what I mean? And if you want to come and hang, maybe write the chorus, you know, that'll be cool with me. And I was like, I don't want nothing to do with it, you know what I mean? Now I don't care, because not only did I... You know, you're not gonna make any money from the right. the song, regardless if it has premiere on it or, or not. My real uh, eggs was in the NBA stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's how I generate uh, uh, money. And uh, when he told me that, I was like, "This is like three years you've been telling me we're gonna make this song, and now you're gonna tell me that his his concept was like I always started with a female, mm-hmm. my albums, and I was like, cool, bro." I'm not gonna show up, you know. Go do your thing. So I was just fucking torn up, bummed. and yeah, I was bummed about everything. And I had to host an event with Noriega and Raekwon in the city. And then Tony texted me at like three in the morning, like, "Come to the Premiere Studio. It's, it's just gonna be me and you. Fuck it. You know what I mean?" And um, you know, I let him know I didn't like that. You know, I yeah. thought it was kind of kind of whack because he's known me for so long. Um, I think that's why he did it. You know, he felt comfortable enough to kind of like shun shun me, and or I I say I felt shunned in that way. Um, but he did have his logic. However, we did it. I wrote my heart out on that one, and then um, premiere. You know where we're standing. He's like, you guys look like a Guru and Inspector Deck when you guys did Above the Clouds. You were both standing in this in the same areas, and this was like a wow moment having premiere watching the process mm-hmm. even though he was my friend at the time uh, already just kind of being in there for a goal of making a song was good i i also made a chorus which a lot of artists that work with premiere usually rely on premiere scratches sure so you know it, it, it was a good run i was happy to do it and i wanted that to bookend my rap career you know and um since since then, I haven't done much purposely, but you know, I got I got songs. I got a lot of wild songs about a lot of wild shit. Um, yeah, yeah. Just so I still have this happens. urge. I still have this urge, like you know, of of doing a lot of stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you do have like goals that you'd like to achieve, but you just got to get that discipline down to do it. And, uh, yeah, I was just in Peru for two months. And, um, yeah, that, that was just toying through my head. You know, just like, why don't you just spend time here and just write? Getting you know, back but, to it. But I was, you know, you're, you're overwhelmed with uh, work because I was the announcer for all the basketball games. Yeah, you're traveling like crazy. Yeah, tell yeah. Me, tell me, how'd you, how'd you get into that? <laughs> it's, been, it's been a hilarious thing. So I interviewed Kanye and I made fun of him before um he was like kanye yeah you know what i mean and then what what ends up happening is that after he uh after the interview i get pulled out of the studio and his manager wants to talk to me and his manager's like hey you want to go on a radio tour with this artist that we just signed and uh she was uh israeli uh violinist um her name is miri ben ari and she had a certain Thing about her culture swag about her and then they were like it would be good if you would come on the road because people are gonna make fun of her because she's a she's a Jewish woman uh, who plays a violin in the like hip-hop world mm-hmm. so it would be good if you would act as like a buffer like as soon as they come in and they think they could say some slick shit to her clown on them. you're just gonna get them yeah so I ended up doing that for for like a year or two and uh, then, you know, we went on stage together. I was her hype man. Then I did one event for the NBA. It was her, Trey songs, and I forgot who else. I think Nina Sky or something like that. And one of the guys from the NBA was like, hey, you know, you're funny. You keep the crowd going. You want to, you know, we got some events that we, we could use a host. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I called them because that's what hip hop was. You like hustle. You're always calling people like, hey, what's up? You know, can I get on? He never answered my emails, my calls, my texts, nothing. And then a year later, another guy calls me. He's like, hey, we got a USA versus Japan. Would you like to, to, to announce for it? And I was like, yeah. 
I went like halfway through that game and in the halftime they were like hey you want to do all-star and that's uh, 12 years later I've just been yeah. doing tours and countless stuff with them from that you know but you've spread out you're not just basketball no no I do the NFL yeah. I've done six Super Bowls six drafts two I'm uh, the arena host for two major league soccer teams uh, I've done the Major League Soccer All-Star Game in the United States. I just hosted uh, uh, the International Champions Cup, which included like about 18 teams from around the world. Um, I've That's done... why you were in Peru. No, no, I was in Peru for the Olympic Committee because okay. okay. they did the Pan American Games. All right. So I did that, and I was the announcer for three on three, uh, five on five, and the para the Paralympic Games as well women and men's on on all all facets of facets of basketball and it's just been a good ride man i've just been been i've done volleyball i've done you know you just well in, in my world you i try not to like lock myself into something you know i i care about uh people who need a voice who are younger versions of me or feel that they can't do it i mean even in the acting component there was a <clears throat> I was given a role for Leprechaun in the Hood, you know, part five <laughs> uh, with Ice T. But uh, I had to fly out to fly myself out to Los Angeles, and uh, I was a gang, I was a gangster in that, in that. And then I was like, ah, oh, you know, it didn't feel like anything substantial. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> and the arsonist stuff was cooking already. And then I was offered uh, the next role was. Um, a role in 8 Mile as Eminem's friend. <clears throat> they thought I was African American. And uh but the thing was there was no other roles I was reading for that was really coming for a person of my identity. Sure. And um then uh Mackay Fifa ends up you know, he didn't want to do it. That's why they gave it to me. And um Brian uh, Grazer uh, ends up convincing him to come on board to, to, to kind of give it some legitimacy because he was an actor mm -hmm. and I was a rapper acting um, and then you know that's how that happened and then I ended up going on tour with Eminem for anger management tour for like six months and that was great but um, you know I, I try to do every and as much as I can um, because I can and I feel I have a um, you know, I, I think I'm up front. You know, I, I don't like to, uh, I don't like to BS people or lie. Or, you know, <laughs> well, you, I mean, you, in the little bit that we've communicated before today, you've come off to me as like a tremendously respectful and approachable person. Mm -hmm. My question is, why the fuck are you here right now, dude? You seem so busy. Like watching you on the internet, uh -huh. I'm dizzy. How yeah. do you balance all of it? How do you juggle it? Um, just my foundation is strong, if I could say that. I have, I have, uh, have, have a, a, a strong foundation that I don't put on social media. Yeah. Um, and, and that helps me to be this way. It right. helps me to be crazy and jump off a, of a roof knowing that I have a bungee cord that's going to pull me right back and g get me back to, okay, go again. Yeah. So every day I'm, <laughs> every day I'm that guy. And um, <clears throat> I also know it's an energy. Yeah. I also know it's an energy that other human beings, um, like you, you get around, right? You was this kid who, who lived in the South and you seen the limitations and you was like, let me go here to expose myself to other things. Right. No matter what you learn in school when you were young in that limited town or whatever it was, Traveling was a real lesson. Yeah. Seeing other humans of, of, of other lives, other walks of life and talking to them and being like, wow, you know, they live that, but I was that close to them. You know, now you can pass that on to someone else. So knowing that I come from a town where there's people in their 30s who don't even know how to get to Manhattan on the train <laughs> yet, even though they're from Brooklyn, yeah. um, to find a job. Because I've seen that, I've talked to friends in that situation. I was like, "Whoa, man! I, I, I gotta, I gotta try to do as much as I can." So those people who will have, who and also had children, could be like, "Look at this guy. This guy is with LeBron James right now. Mm -hmm. That guy was with me in class 
a couple of years ago. Right. And you can you can do that because right. he did, and I know him. You know, and that's how I do it. I I always go back to my neighborhood to like you know walk around, even though the landscape and the people and the culture has changed. I still go there when I was when I was this arsonist guy who was we were traveling for months on end, barely coming home. I would go to like the worst part of Bushwick, sit on a stoop where nobody said hello to me. And I just needed that, you know, that roughness again. And I'll eat the unhealthy food again. <laughs> just to be like, you know, I'm here. I, I didn't lose myself. And I just got to keep going. You just yeah. got to keep going. So, like yeah. you, 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 you know, you're doing it too. I'm always trying to get out of my comfort zone as much as possible. How great is that? It's the van, right? <laughs> How great is that though? Yeah, it's, it's wonderful, man. Yeah. Every time I make a bad decision, I learn a bunch of brand new shit. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's and that's see like like Peru. I I I was offered Peru. They was hey, you're gonna live here for two months. I'm gonna do it. This yeah. is part of my dream. It's, it took me to Peru, even though you know, it's a whole other country, a different culture technically. Um, I'm still built for it. You know, I lived in I, I was in Europe touring for like three years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just it's just energy. You just want to attract positive energy good energy you want to learn and you want to help you know make a person smile so as far as that it's just it's also learning from my mom she's a she's very um she's outgoing she she's sounds a, super fun man. she she is she is she's 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 a very active woman and and watching her making the worst human beings laugh yeah like i've seen her make legit bad people who've done atrocious things mm -hmm. laugh and she knew that they were bad people mm -hmm. and it was more like a thing like let me just give them something to smile about right. something and i and, and i learned from that i learned from that that's, that's a real me. gift man uh so what's next what else what are you, where are you <clears throat> headed i'm going you to also sorry to interrupt you do you have like a uh management agent team i have you no just doing agent all this shit on your own? i have no managers I'll be honest with you, I wish I did. Yeah. I always thought I should have had one. Uh -huh. A lot of people are like, D, you know, why don't you do movies? You know, you got to put yourself out there. And I'm like, I'm out there. Mm -hmm. I'm out there in front of thousands of people every day who get to see who I am. If I fit into something, I feel they would have grabbed me and say, hey, do this. And um, so I have no manager. I kind of wish I did so they could put me into more, I guess, uh reputable stuff because everything is about um institutions and being part of one and sometimes those agents or managers are part of those institutions but um you know how i do it i just i just keep good relationships with everyone man i work i work hard when i'm at it and i'm also i'm also a real guy in the sense where like even if we're at these corporate uh company events there's always going to be a negative energy there and me i know how to deal with it find it and diffuse it uh, yeah i know how to diffuse Just like it. your mom yeah yeah exactly um so uh as far as I, you know i just i just keep going and um i have this thing friday that i'm waiting on a confirmation on it that it's gonna happen but the details is uh yeah i, I can't talk about it yet um, I just locked in another year of hosting one of the biggest uh, break breaking events in the world. It's called it's Battle. Of the, yeah, it's in France. It's called Battle of the Year. Um, Colombia with the Beat Nudge, J Rule, the Damager, and this guy named Afura on the far side. Um, I have Sirius XM every Thursday, which I host the radio show. Um, you know, I have a bunch of things. I think the way I also manage it by loosely managing it, like I, I deal with it when I have to deal with it, yeah. so I don't lose my mind with all the technicalities. Uh -huh. Like a lot of people would like to know when they're flying out, like a week before me. I just need to know that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm supposed to be on a Time flight. To go. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I just, I just stay at it, and I deal with uh, all types of human beings, and just as cool and positively as possible to so people could want to deal with me the next time yeah, like, you yeah, know what yeah. he did his job he wasn't he he, 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 he was crazy he said some <laughs> wild shit 
but he never said it on the mic. Yeah. And I think all the years, something about your your dad that you were saying. When I started to listen to hip hop, I was listening to hip hop as it was. Coming into the 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 latter end of the nineties, I started getting all clean versions. So the clean versions I would be able to play in my car with my parents, even with a kid in the car, or passing by a school, because I was very conscious mm -hmm. of that. So, of course, there are some messaging, even if it's clean, that is inappropriate. But um, I tried to play this one song for my mother about school and how teachers don't teach us what we should learn. And um, <clears throat> it starts with a guy in prison, and he's like, you know, they don't want to teach us what we should learn. That's why we're in here. And then my mom said, uh, you know, because he kind of gives a little backstory in it. And she's like, well, you know, he's kind of in there because he's in there. You know, it's like the society he's in got him there. He didn't get the trick on how to, like, get around it. And um, she was running game on me on something I was trying to run game on her. Uh-huh. Because, so she totally was, like, threw away the educational... Um, component of this song that was trying to teach her like listen ma these guys are saying teachers are not teaching and I'm trying to like mm -hmm. you know validate the reason why school sucks <laughs> and she's like well the guy who first set off the song is talking about prison and he's in there for doing some stupid shit he shouldn't have done so it kind of killed my whole point and so I think so the way your dad probably just wrote it off yeah, I tried one day to have a, a uh -huh. debate with my mom about it, and then she just killed me on this one fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. So I knew not to include her, but I still kept everything clean. And doing college radio, I would always avoid having to curse because I knew you'd get She's fined. Gonna get you in trouble. Yeah, you yeah. get fined if you curse. So throughout years, I just learned how to not curse uh -huh. and talk, and uh, I could still be me. Right. Just don't have to and curse. Edgy. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, of, of course. course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. The <laughs> one thing that occurred to me, and this always bums me out about clean versions of things, mm -hmm. is that, you know, I I'm not making I'm not making any money off of my podcast or my mm -hmm. videos and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've been I've caught a little bit of criticism, some of it very hopefully constructive from my parents, and then some people who I don't even know are like why you gotta say the fuck word? And I'm like, uh -huh. that's not harmful. Yeah. You know, what's what's harmful is violence. What's yeah. harmful is marginalization. Yeah. You know, what's harmful is and and so many times when you when you listen to the clean version of something, uh maybe a racial epithet and the fuck word have yeah. been cut out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like all of the all of the gnarly like actual the bad gun. shit yeah. all the guns and the <laughs> and the robbing is still if you know what the slang means it's yeah. still in the song right for sure and so that always kind of bums me out about clean versions because it's like okay well if we're gonna leave that in then it's okay for tits to be in there you know so <clears throat> somebody like me if i was the rawest me um i know that it wouldn't be possible for me to achieve the things that I've achieved I would I would wholeheartedly okay. yeah, say sure. that um, you know I can curse I, I'm very <laughs> like I, I, I can curse and even my even my Instagram uh, a few years ago you know some companies went through it and they told me you gotta this, stop doing this 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 and when they told me that they knew who I was already uh-huh and they were like, nah, it's not really about that, bro. It's just that we want you. Yeah. We want you. But if we say, follow our host at iDestroy, and then you're posting like clouds shaped as a penis, you know, you got a kid who just seen you with Dwight Howard right. now looking at an image of, of this. And though we know, I know it's funny and I'm, yeah, I'm your yeah, boy yeah. in that way. We're just trying to pitch you uh, to be that guy. Yeah. And then I knew also because of identity, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of individuals like me, uh -huh. you know, who look like me and come from where I come from. So I just felt like, 
you know what? If I just got to discipline myself, because I was already, like I said, college radio was already doing that for me mm-hmm. without me realizing it. But if I have to do that so that other kids can look at somebody who looks like them and then say, oh, I can achieve that, you know, if I just stay on a, on a good path. Nah, why not? Yeah, know? who's it going to hurt? Why not? Yeah. You know, because I already I got that's enough. An important lesson. Yeah. I got enough versions of me like my brother who has no filter. Right. Even my mother has no filter. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And and they're saying inappropriate stuff all the time. But it's also the beauty of of life. You know what I mean? Not everything could be cookie cutter. And I'm definitely not cookie. Like, even, I even make my, my family be like, what, what are you saying, yeah. bro? Like, even my dog looks at me like I got, <laughs> I got issues. So... I, that's awesome, you know. But I, I just know that when, um, when the time is is come where people are paying attention to me, uh, I don't know if they've ever been near anyone who is like me. So I like to give them uh, uh, a version of that. That's edgy. That is not offending any right, anyone. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's why I, I I try to be careful in in that sense. I think that's yeah. I I think you do a really good job of. Of still, of still making people, making even me sometimes. I'm like, really, you're gonna act like that? But I enjoy it. I mm-hmm. eat it up because you are edgy, and mm-hmm. and you. I guess you. Yeah, I mean that, that's an important lesson is that you can still do that without offending these. Even if the sensibilities aren't totally warranted. For sure, for you sure. You gotta recognize that people have them, right? Look at my last my last post um, about my hair. Mm-hmm. You know, I said. You know, I braided my hair and I looked like a female version of Queen Latifah and set it off. <laughs> you know, or I look like a, a, a lesbian version of uh, the villain in The Last Dragon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there, right there, you're, I'm, I'm teetering. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm playing with danger right there. But I'm calling myself that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you look like... I'm saying I look like, right? you know, and I don't mind that because I just feel like a lot of people of my culture are so sensitive, mm-hmm. um, not on the sexual end, uh, on the sexual identity end, but on the end of being called that, like it, it offends them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, you guys got to stop being offended and enjoy life, enjoy energy. One of my favorite eras. Um, was and I didn't live through it but of understanding was the disco era you know the Studio 54 era you had everybody getting together you have Freddie Mercury in New York having uh, Fellatio performed in front of him uh, on him as breakers were dancing there and and I know all these stories and I'm like man what a pot that that must have been and um, and I it had to happen and, and, and I'm happy it happened and I embrace all of that and I just wish we moved past that as a society so we can achieve great things. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Um, I really appreciate you coming yeah, around. You got it, brother. Yeah, it's good. I finally was able to catch you. Do you improvise anymore? Uh, no, I don't. Uh-huh. I, I, I actually, I do every freaking day. Yeah, it's basically your whole I job. I do, I do every you're day. Just solo most of the time. I, yeah, definitely, definitely solo. But what I'm doing is what I love to do is I introduce myself as another person. Um, there's Tony Touch, who is a, a, a very well respected DJ and very, he's like my big brother. Whenever I meet someone, I introduce myself as him. <laughs> you know, and if they know him, uh, the, the the joke is out the window. But if they don't, then I can just go on, yeah. you know, as if I was him. Because you know him well enough. Even if I don't, I make the make whole up. shit up. They don't know who I am. They yeah, don't yeah. even, I don't even say they I'm a DJ. Yeah. I just say a whole other life. Uh, sometimes I don't even say a name. I just give a whole other description of myself. Because my point is, is for me to be happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. How many people you meet in your life that you don't remember their name five minutes after they've mm-hmm. said it? So I know this in this business you're gonna come you're gonna come across that. So my goal is just to make me laugh yeah. or, or entertain me or say something so outlandish that the person who took it in has like, to remember you. Or, even if they they're just 
did he just say he punched the old lady <laughs> or he arm wrestled the baby you know yeah. and then I'll just say it with a straight face and then they'll just take it in like this guy's really talking words right now yeah. like, what but it does something for myself you know you enjoy it I enjoy it and it's improvising yeah. you know it's yeah. me just going off well uh, you mentioned um, Andrew Dice Clay earlier and uh, Paul Rubens which is totally makes sense and it's hilarious to me um, and then the the Tony touch introducing yourself as Tony touch story reminds me of David Sedaris you know him yes the, the writer mm -hmm. uh, he's got a story where he was like I, and I can't even tell if half of this shit is true but he was uh, he was like really into cocaine when he was in college or something he used to go hitchhiking and every time he, somebody would pick him up he was a different character yeah and he'd be lying to him about who he is <laughs> um, but who are your other who are your other like big influences whether it's whether it's hip-hop or I don't know commentating or, or announcing or, or com comedy stand-up um I'm gonna say man as far as uh, I don't I, I comedians definitely you know just people who are just just free like I just finished watching Bill Burr's new piece today um, Bill Burr's such a like a just a free guy who just yeah. talks crazy and and I embrace it I miss uh, Louis CK um, you know what he what, what how he came off um, Greg Greg Gerardo was was a, a another great comic uh, who used to do the roast um, but um, I don't know man I there's so many there's so many individuals that I that I pull from and I always learn about new people every day yeah you know I always learn about uh, new individuals who just kind of captivate me or, or you know just get into a new book or something and um, it just it just doesn't stop like a person asked me one time I felt bad because a person asked me you know where do you see yourself in five years and um, I felt bad because I didn't have the answer you know and as an adult you should have the answer right that's what I'm thinking and then I, I wrote that on my Facebook and a lot of people were like bro don't let these are like old terms like you know it's like when you were a kid what do you want to be when you grow up oh, I want to be a fireman I want to be a, a police officer and now you could be like five things yeah you know what I mean and you're good yeah so it's like these these uh, are <clears throat> these limitations I learned to be like okay I don't have to have the answer for that. I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I'm good. I, I found out when I went to Peru, that opportunity to go to Peru, I found out like, like a, like two weeks before. That you were going? Yeah, like 8, 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Hey, we got this opportunity. Would you be down to do it? Yeah. Then I got, you know, it got confirmed like the week later. And it was in that fast of a, and that's how a lot of things are. That's how a lot of things are, are in life where you just never know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and you just go with it. So, yeah. influences, you know, my mom's a maniac, my dad's a maniac. They're, they're my first ones, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, then you just go on to comedy and, and, and artists. Uh, I was a big lyric guy, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Into lyrics. So, you know, that was like a, a thing of mine too on the on the artist end. But I just started looking at free spirits. Like I said, Freddie Mercury and just people who were like, I'm going to just do my thing. Yeah. And I want to own that. I want to uh -huh. own that. Uh, you know, I want to own that. Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate your energy. You're an inspiration to me. You got it, brother. And that's uh, it's so cool that you came by. For sure, man. On top of a grocery store. Yeah. You knew the parking lot to pull the van up, man. Yeah, I knew. You know, it's gonna be been harassed. Nobody's gonna mess with you here. It's, it's, and and it's it's tough to find something like this in New York. Yeah, dude. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, because you had me thinking about it, and I was like, you know, let me get you somewhere that's gonna be chill. And this is like a spot like 4th of July, people come up here. and like, Oh, to watch fireworks? And yeah. Stuff. And sometimes it's like a secret society of uh -huh. people that come here and nobody tells anybody else. I won't drop the pin on it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, you know, and I also watching you do your thing and I, 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 I admire it, always seeing the doors open and, you know, I, I show my family like the images of, of how you have it and I was like, man, this is... 
This is, he's doing it. It's a little thing, man. Yeah, he just sort of jumped and one of my friends was like, jump and the net will appear, you know? Yeah. And so we'll see. I don't know. We, uh, you know, I live in here with my dog and my girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, we think about getting a bigger van pretty often. Yeah. So, but it's good, <laughs> you know, it's, it works. Yeah, I love it. It works for us. I love it. So good job, man. Keep going and keep doing these and keep learning stuff from, from all cultures and all cities that you visited, man. Yeah, man. You've seen a bunch of them, huh? Trying to see as much as we can, yeah. I think we're going through four provinces and like 13 states in two months this time. Yeah. How cool is we're that? We're getting a lot. Hey, the, the bummer for, for both of us, the complaint is like, shit, man, I need a little bit of time to be bored. I wish we could spend, instead of spending five days in New York, I wish we could spend three or five weeks. Yeah. So that This is be, one of those places yeah. that you would want to do. Oh, this yeah. place could feed you for yeah really long time. I don't want to be here when it's hot or cold, though. I think we landed in the right couple of weeks. This is a good time. Yeah. This is a good time. Uh, from here to December, yeah. yeah, you'll be cool, not too hot, not too cold. It's a, it's a really good time. And like you said, New York has a lot to offer on several facets. So, You want to plug anything? No. Okay. No. Uh, at I Destroy on Instagram. If anyone's out there tuned in, unfollow me. <laughs> I'll appreciate that. <laughs> cool, man. Thank you. Success, my appreciate brother. It. Wow, guys. Uh, I had a really great time doing that. I listened to the podcast and I thought it, it came out great uh, for me. I hope that you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. If you've been around this long, and uh, thanks to Destroy. Like he said, if you already follow him, definitely unfollow him at Destroy uh, on Instagram. And um, we'll see you next time on Tuesday for another episode of From the Van. <laughs>